Hello, and welcome to another episode of Setting the Tone in ER Retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and joining me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we'll be discussing Season 5, Episode 7, which is titled Hazed and Confused. The episode aired on November 12th, 1998. Lauren, what was going on that week 23 years ago? U.S. Vice President Al Gore signs the Kyoto Protocol, an international agreement to reduce man-made greenhouse gas emissions. Hmm. However, U.S. law dictates that any such international agreement must be ratified by the Senate before the U.S. formally enters them. As of 2020, it had not, making the U.S. the only country to sign the agreement but not ratify it. I'm shocked. Great. We live in a, we live in a capitalist hellscape, folks. That's fine. The Waterboy... Starring Adam Sandler, Kathy Bates, Feruza Balk, and Henry Winkler debuts and demolishes the competition to take the number one spot at the box office. It was like fifty-two million to thirteen. What or the something. fuck? Lots of people wanted to see the. Lots of people wanted to see uh, Adam Sandler play uh, offensive <laughs> imitation of a of a mentally challenged person. I guess. And the first night by Monica concludes its run atop the music charts. Daniel, what else is on? Okay, can I, just say one, can I just say one thing? Yes. I did love The Waterboy when I was younger. I suspected as much. <laughs> it, sort of... it, it was on TNT and USA all the fucking time. And I still hear in my dreams, water sucks. It really, really sucks. <laughs> yes, water sucks. I feel like around here, it was either here or maybe... Big Daddy. Have we already passed Big Daddy? No. 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 Pr- I think that's next year. So or somewhere it was somewhere in the um Waterboy, Big Daddy, Little Nicky, tri like Bermuda oh, Triangle. Nikki. Somewhere somewhere in there was where I realized I think I'm done with Adam Sandler. Like I think I'm over yeah. this. Like I'm I don't know if it was like turning 11 like i don't know i don't know what level of maturity it takes for you to get to where you're like you know what i think i've had enough i, I, I still have a soft spot for happy gilmore but that's yeah, about it i haven't gone back and visit, revisit and actually i would i think of all of his 90s movies i think big daddy's probably the one that has the best chance of aging well but i have i'm, I'm terrified to go back and revisit any of them yeah no big big daddy um, I watched it recently, like a year or two ago, and it's it's still charming. It's still, yeah. but I'll have a soft spot in my heart for it as somebody who, um, you know, kid with divorced parents, sure, estranged dad situation. So it was always kind of. It's called I win. It's called yes. We also say that way too much <laughs> in our house. <laughs> All right, so for what else was on that evening at 8 p.m., Friends with the episode The One Where Ross Moves In at 8.30, Jesse with the episode The Kiss at 9 p.m., Frasier with the episode How to Bury a Millionaire. Have we hit uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire yet? Has that craze taken off yet at this point, or is this just a I think coming up. I know it's coming up for sure, but I, I feel like in my head canon, that's more of a like 2000 uh phenomenon rather 98 seems a little early for that Warren's on it uh, and then finally at 9 30 p.m veronica's closet with the episode veronica's breast effort no i didn't watch to see what that one was about veronica's closet will just continue to have the most provocative titles of the evening uh who wants to be a millionaire started in 1999 okay so we're, we're headed in there so they're not trying to do the like yeah. make a title out of a popular thing nope not yet. fond memories of my parents racing down the highway 
trying to get to Minnesota to visit my brother, to check into the hotel to visit my brother faster so they could catch the, I think it was the night that the dude won the actual million dollars. For oh the my gosh. Time. What a, what a like delightfully quaint, uh, appointment viewing. Thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Imagine if something bad had happened and it was like, Oh, what, you know, 20 years later, you're having this conversation. Remember that night we got in that awful wreck. Yeah. We were trying to get to the hotel faster to watch who wants to be a millionaire. Like, mm. Especially with the way our like society has sort of crumbled in the twenty years of like economic wealth disparity, like yeah, yeah. we were watching people win money for sports. Mm. Ooh, speaking of trashy uh, reality TV that I actually like, Survivor starts up again on September twenty second, so Ugh. I'm really excited. I thought you were gonna say Survivor like debuts next week or something. On Jesus, no, the sorry. That's um, actually, that's in two thousand one, act- right? No, um, um, two thousand, I think. I think it's 99. Uh, hold on. I don't know All why right. I said it. It's Tell us how many viewers we had. <laughs> 2,000. You were right. Sorry. There it is. I win. Uh, so, viewers, we are at 28.9 million up. We, we recouped about the, the 500,000 or so we lost uh, going into last week's episode. Uh, this week's episode is directed by Jonathan Kaplan, doing his fifth out of 40 episodes. Previous ones of his we talked about were Good Touch, Bad Touch, and Random Acts. This was the director that, if you'll remember from the uh, Yvette and Laura interview, they mm-hmm. described him as Santa Claus. He mm. is yep. the, the yep, big, yep. big director with the big white bushy beard. Uh, spoke very highly of him. Uh, and this week's episode is written by the team of David Mills doing his third out of four previous one of his we talked about was think warm thoughts and Carol Flint doing her 12th out of 15 uh, previous ones of hers include split second family practice and ambush all right and our previously on this week is brought to us by Carrie and we're going to open with an audio clip Uh, might get a little loud just (laughs) based on what's going on because there's some loud noises that wake up Carter in his new apartment at 5.30 a.m. Let's find out what's going on there. Hey! Morning, Carter! It's Grace Jones. Hey, I didn't wake you up, did I? I mean, you're on a seven? Uh, yeah, but no, no problem. Good. You settling in down there? Yes. I like it. You have a very interesting CD collection. What? I said you have a very eclectic CD collection. Thanks. You know, anything you want to listen to, just ask me. Don't ever touch it on your own, though. I mean, I, I rented to a lot of students, so I had to make that a rule. Card. let me make one of these, man. It'll oh. slingshot you into your day. <clears throat> yeah, you're in a really good mood. I am just I'm so glad to be 100% focused on medicine. Hey, can I ask you something? Sure. Do you find it easy to evaluate other people's work? <laughs> Time to grade your student, huh? Uh-huh. I'll worry about being too harsh. Does she deserve to be judged harshly? I want to be fair. Lucy hasn't gotten off to a great start this year, clearly. <clears throat> but she's smart, and she's willing to work hard. So I think maybe I should just go easy and give her a chance to turn things around. <clears throat> Go on, keep talking. I fucking love Carrie so much. <laughs> uh. 
Oh, uh, can we just get a spinoff show that's just this? Uh, I could yeah. listen. Yeah, I could listen to them in this situation for far more than the almost two minutes that with that we had the audio of for. They make for a very good odd couple. They do. Yes. And who would think that Carter would be the straight man in that? Right. Yeah. No. That's. I, I like that. I like the way that they uh, flip that on its head a little bit. Yeah, it's great. Glad, glad to see Carrie just relaxing. Just she's run out of fucks to give, and it's beautiful. <laughs> you can tell by her like Jimmy Buffett shawl and the apple smoothies she's making at five thirty in the morning. Yeah. And the very strange quasi reggae cover of Ring of Fire. Yeah. Like, that I was like, this is this is something. My this favorite is... version of that song will always be the the social. Uh, God, oh shit! So I think it's Social Distortion is the band. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They do. They do a, yeah. a really good cover of Ring of Fire. You're absolutely right. I forgot all about them. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, Mark pops into the firehouse to come along for a ride along and asks if he can sleep there tonight while his building is being fumigated. So his broness with the firefighters and EMTs continues, and Lizzie walks in to the wow lizzie walks into the er and we see doyle at the admit desk doyle is still there apparently (laughs) proof of of life from the uh, from the cast members she does exist uh turns out romano specifically asked for lizzie's help on a case and lizzie's complaining because she hasn't slept in hours she's also not on call she stinks and nothing is going well for her she's been on all night she's just done I love the way that she barks back at Doyle here. Like, the way that she is just at her limit already when the episode starts. She's like, look at that clock. What does it say? 6.02 or whatever the fuck it is. 6.38. Like, she, yeah, yeah. She's like, I am not on call. <laughs> like, and then not- Doyle just being such a prick. Like, Doyle just giving her no sympathy whatsoever. Yeah. And we are in with some bangs. Still no twinkles to be found. And we did note that um, I picked a random season 11 episode, and they do exist. We've mentioned this before. They, they I was watching, exist. I had to watch some fun episodes earlier this week just to get pumped, and they are there. And I am so excited to talk about late <laughs> season ER. Yeah. I know everybody talks about how, how much they love the early seasons, but man, I am at home in late seasons ER. So I am one of three. Not these three, just one of three people on the planet who love late season ER. Oh no, there's but... <laughs> plenty of people there. It's actually really interesting to me going and and like just hearing all the the various opinions, especially now that it's a streaming kind of staple. Like, there's obviously whole new generations of fans that are experiencing ER, but there's also people that even when the show was on didn't jump in until season seven or eight or nine or whatever and for for them it's like for them the show doesn't begin until what happens in season eight happens you know for them that's where the show really starts and for so many of like the original fans the like ones that were there from the very beginning that's where a lot of them fell off so it's really i think that's one of the things that makes the show so fascinating is that it really is um so many different shows contained within one it's the multi-era thing that we've been talking about yeah, uh, yeah. We're, we're in chapter two now. Right. And we were having this conversation off mic earlier in the week, how like, you know, how other shows um, tried to experiment or change the formula halfway through or tried to tried to take what was already an established concept and then turn it on its head to try to squeeze a little bit of extra life out of the show. And I made the point in the group chat that I think that if the show had come along, you know, 10 years after it, it did that 
we could have gotten, and I think this is true of Law and Order too, because with both Law and Order and ER, the institution is the main character. Mm-hmm. The institute, the, the ER or the judicial process, like the legal process, that is the crux of those two shows. And so I think if they'd have come along, you know, even just 10 years after they did, I think you could have seen those shows go on almost indefinitely with rotating casts and new characters and new storylines and everything. Those shows could have gone off. I mean, you sort of see that a little bit now with Law and Order SVU, which is in like season 20, God knows what at this point. And Grey's Anatomy starting up uh, season 18 here pretty soon. Yeah, but Grey's Anatomy, I think they have announced, is going to end, right? Like it has, Oh, did they? It I has an ending. I thought I had seen that, but I could be completely wrong about that. But I don't think it's it's planned to go on forever. But, but yeah, it's but, just, but I get what you mean because in that sh- because in that show, the hospital is more of more of a confluence point. It's a it's right. a touch it's a touchstone. If I'm using that right, it's you know it's important. It obviously mm-hmm. because it's a main character in certain storylines, but right. it's not really you're not going there to see Grace Lone Memorial. You're not see- which, right. Yeah, you're not you're not watching the show. And you're like, oh my god, they're at Gray Sloan. Right, it, it's right it's, there in the title. It's Gray's Anatomy. At the end of yeah. the day, it's still... Her, what's her first name? I always forget. Meredith Gray. Meredith. It's still Meredith Gray's story at the end yeah. of the day, much the same way that we... The, the, the topic came up because of, we were talking about Scrubs uh, interns, and much the way that Scrubs was always at its core JD's story and not about strictly the medicine or the hospital is the fact that he was a doctor was sort of secondary to telling his story and when they tried to change that with scrubs interns it just didn't really work whereas i think that kind of concept you can almost see that a little bit in season 15 where they're kind of doing that a little bit they kind of bring in the young intern the young hot doctors who maybe aren't as like fleshed out of a character as some of these early season characters are um and they're sort of kind of go in that road i don't know if that was intentional i don't know if that was their like thinking of like "Mm, maybe we can squeeze a few more years out of this with this formula but i don't know it's just i really think that er would have been a perfect breeding ground for something like that where it was like no the er is the main character you can do this forever like you can just keep do you can keep breeding new stories and new new life into it every few years with a whole brand new rotating cast and that's why the series finale is perfect and i can't wait to gush about it as one of my favorite episodes of the entire show amen and another news i checked it does not look like a season a series finale has been announced for grays yet cool so you still have a while hooray to be, to be into it finally we'll go back into the episode let me get back on topic here jerry is at the admit desk with chuni carol and Jeannie talking about the dumb fake porno names or romance novel names and this is a running through line throughout the episode no one can decide what makes up your porno name your drag queen name your <laughs> any of them and it's like your middle name and your dog aka the best way for scammers to get your security question answers guys don't answer this shit on facebook on those meme pages don't, don't do, it. do it i've fallen for it twice i've luckily never had any of my shit stolen but once somebody pointed out to me that it's a perfect way for someone to get your information for your security questions stop answering your freaking porno name there's air quotes there jokes online no matter how silly they may sound do them with your friends fine don't post them where thousands of <laughs> random strangers can see please this has been your mom psa lizzie what happens next uh well carrie's waiting for delivery you know, she's uh very excited for it a certain implement to arrive at the er that was discussed last episode is it uh, her sense of humor 
Oh no, that's already here. I know. I just that's, had that's, to. It was. It was. It was good. <laughs> that got delivered to her house, and it is on full display. You're right. Um, now, but Anspaugh comes down to tell Carrie she needs help to help finish the attending schedules because he can't work the software, and she's like, "Yeah, just just Jerry will help you out. Just <laughs> that's not my job anymore. Uh, Jerry, Jerry's Jerry can help you out." She says, "Oh, I have too many patients." Oh, yeah, it's. I love it. Look upon the field where Carrie Weaver's fucks have grown <laughs> and see that it is barren. Uh, uh, but Jerry tells Anne's father there's a call that needs to be forwarded to the chief of ER. Uh-oh. Oh, I was just going to say, I may have pulled something similar today at work. Where I was like, oh, uh, I'm behind because no one else knows how to do this. <laughs> uh... There you go, Lauren. Yep. Take, I'm, take I'm, something from your mentor. I'm channeling my inner Carrie at work right now. The good parts. So then we go from there. We see Lucy in the bathroom uh, running over a script to uh, use with her meeting with Carter today regarding the way her internship or, or is it internship or is rotation? Her rotation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's a her, medical student still. Yeah. So the way her rotation has been going thus far. Uh, uh, we see her little uh, Palm Pilot pad thing. I don't think we ever came up with a satisfactory oh, name they, for it. They, they name it in this episode. Yeah, they do, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, it's like it Doc is. Palm or something. Yeah, like that. something Palm like Doc. That. Almost made me wonder if they got money for it. Like it almost made me wonder if like <laughs> there was like a a little backdoor endorsement deal there or something. But I've still never seen anything like it in the real world. But uh, Carol walks in on her and overhears part of it, and uh, Lucy then gives Carol a tampon, which is yet another example of why I should read these bullets before I highlight my notes. Uh. <laughs> just just a moment of solidarity while everybody's talking about how much these two are at each other's throats. I just noted, A, great for primetime show for showing, like, hey, I need a tampon. Just having it be matter of fact. And also just, even if you don't like somebody at work, you can still help them out. And it is a palm doc. I checked later in the episode palm notes. Palm doc. There we go. Uh, so then we see Lizzie telling Peter that there's an emergency patient and then continuing to complain about her night last night says you know i used to work 36 hour shifts uh, as an intern back in england makes me realize how long ago that was which i can totally relate to because Mm -hmm. i obviously never did any like 36 hour shifts or anything like that but you know there was definitely a time in my early 20s where pulling a you know 12 hour shift or like working a double on the weekends or something like that was like a totally like normal not i mean i definitely i went through a stretch in my early 20s where i didn't have a weekend off for over a year like i worked I would work uh, both Saturday and Sunday. I would go in at seven in the morning on Saturdays and work until seven at night. And then I would come on Sundays, work seven to one, get a two hour break and then come back and work three to seven so that they didn't have to pay me overtime. Capitalism is a hellscape folks. Uh, Don't do that. I definitely had days in college when I was tutoring and stuff where I would start my day at 9am tutor for most of the day maybe have a class or two and then have a 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. class and go home. Yeah. The thought of doing anything like that now just makes me want to shrivel up and die. I know. I was, I was apparently already a 70 year old woman five years ago when I had my status saying 13 hour day, somebody save me. Mm. So now you're just a human being with limits. Yeah. Is that hustle culture? Not a thing. No, fuck hustle culture. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and, I, and I know harder. we, I know we have people who listen to us at work and who who work night shift and stuff like that. And you know, 
by all means, like we're, we're with you, like solidarity, yes. like yeah. this, this sucks. And I'm sorry that you have to do that. And I hope that you're able to get into a situation where you don't have to do that very soon. And, and we hope we make your work time a little bit better. We hope And there's so. also, you have to, you also have to remember there's insane people who actually like gorgeous night owls. Yeah. That, that too. Yeah. That too. I don't know how they function in society, but you know, God like, bless them. Like one of your best friends. They keep our power plants running. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we get a nice little bit of continuity here, as she mm-hmm. mentions uh, Dr. Kotlovitz, who we saw a little bit of last season when he did uh, Allison Beaumont's vocal surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, he also does, being that he is an ENT, the E being ears, does work with cochlear implants. And uh, Peter, continuing his just like longest denial arc in the history of the world, uh, continues to get pissy that she even mentioned anything to him at all. Uh, even though she didn't use any names and like was not specific at all, just was like, Hey, a friend of mine, maybe, you know, whatever. So, but I did appreciate the continuity beat here where she's like, yeah, I've worked with him before and he's great and whatever. So I thought you'd appreciate that. Yeah. And it turns out Carrie's shiny new toy that she's waiting for is a sternal saw. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> she's so excited. All I can think about is next season. When I see that thing. Yeah. All I can think of. I did appreciate, though, that after she unpacks it, she does do the dad thing where she immediately puts the battery <laughs> yeah. in and does the test. Yep. Like, you have to. Yep. It's the law. Gotta make sure it works. <laughs> um, and it didn't even... Uh, I would say, Anspaugh's like, what the hell? And she, and she was like, oh, yeah, it didn't even have to pass through surgery for approval because... Oh, it was Ben that says that. Yeah, not Anspaugh, excuse me. Because Ben's like, what the fuck? Why'd you get that? Yeah, like yeah. you you aren't authorized to have that. No, Carrie's authorized to use it, so she's the and she's doing a, a study with it as well. And I believe she says that surgery will get it on odd days, and the ER something will get it like on that. even yeah. days, or possibly vice versa. But something like that. So yeah. Uh, we have a quick uh, check in with Carol and Doug. Carol mentions to Doug that she's still not pregnant. Doug's like, oh, maybe we just have to try harder. <laughs> and she's like, no, actually, that's wrong. And it's going to be diminishing returns after a certain point. So clearly she's reading the fertility books and stressing out over why she is now not pregnant after she has stopped taking her birth control. She's on an early version of Facebook. <laughs> so I would like to point out how um, we first started talking about the Doug and Carol pregnancy, pregnant, not pregnant thing, I think, in episode four. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people were very quick to point out... <laughs> how many details of the subsequent storyline developments with this that we were like just blindly speculating about and we're probably wrong about and i would just like to point out as people you know i'm happy that people correct us and like and point us in the right direction i would just like to point out how fucking messy this storyline is and i don't know why they chose to go this route like they knew they know clooney is leaving at this point that is a done deal there's no speculation there's no like 11th hour we hope we can get him to stay no fuck that they know Clooney is gone at this point why they chose to do this convoluted ass pregnancy storyline that's going to make him do out of character stuff after he's gone makes no sense to me and I have no idea why they did it because it's not like uh, Julieta Margulies is actually pregnant in real life and they have to come up with a storyline reason for it like she's not I don't think she had a kid until like almost 10 years after this so like I just don't that's the part that really blows my mind here and and confuses me is why they chose to go down this windy ass weird storyline path when there were so many other easier cleaner neater stories they could tell just have them get married exactly it's the 90s on a network show just have them get married 50 million people will tune in 
Like, guaranteed. And I guess the only reason that they wouldn't do that is because they know that Clooney's leaving and she's not, at least not right away. And and with her, it is a much more uh, will-they-won't-they they type of situation because, uh, as we'll get to when we get to season six, um, they try to throw a boatload of money at Juliana Margulies to stay, and it doesn't work. But uh, So with her, I guess they, they are still under the impression that they might be able to convince her to stay for a few more years. Him, they know he's gone. So why are we doing this? That's my problem. Just why? There's lots of moments like that that we're going to get to talk about. Um, but going on to our next bit, uh, Jeannie calls Doug over for a lethargic four-month-old named Sun. And he's like, oh, is he Korean? And Jean's like, no, mom's just a little different. And... Baby hasn't been nursing much. He's only having her milk, no solid foods or formula yet. The little girl, his sister's name is Sky, says she hasn't changed the baby since yesterday morning. So he hasn't pooped since then. Because apparently Sky is, um, you know, kind of the level-headed one of the three of them. Of the baby, the mom, and this little girl. Sky is the level-headed one. Uh, she's clearly also an emotional support for her mom. Because she says, oh no, mom, it'll be okay. Like... She's parenting her mom, essentially, and uh, Doug says that he is going to anesthetize the little baby before doing a lumbar puncture, and Jeannie is dubious. Like, can we do that? I don't know if we can. <laughs> and I like how he's basically like, yeah, this is first time for anything. You know, like, which yes. is, well, sure, why not? Oh, yeah, mom here. Uh, bless her heart. Uh, Mrs. Everly, who's played by actress Amy Graham, who appeared with Clooney in uh, From Dust Till Dawn, where Clooney has the dumbest haircut ever known to man, uh, alongside also season one director Quentin Tarantino in, mm. in a rare acting role. Uh, and she was also in another Quentin Tarantino movie, uh, Jackie Brown. Neat. Fun. Um, Mark's on a ride along. Uh, there's an injured man. Woman says... Uh, he let this lunatic drill, drill into his head, and it turns out they were practicing trepanation, which Do you guys is, know what that is? Yeah. I just drill, it's, which I mean, can, it just freaks me out to no end. Can we clarify for our listeners who may not be familiar with sure, trepanation? Sure, go for it. Um, it was the belief, there's actually a really good Sawbones episode on it, everybody should go listen to that, but it is the belief of a, um, that you could like, drill into the head to alleviate pressure from the from the skull and everything and a long time ago it was to release demons i think oh okay great that makes sense yeah and then over time it became oh the, the scientific reason became to alleviate pressure which burr holes are a thing right yeah they are but this is this, is, this, not is, this is not a burr hole this is an amateur dude just taking usually a drill yeah like a drill bit into your front of your skull don't do this people yeah. We love you. We never we don't want to see you anyone get a traumatic brain injury. Please. Cure alls cure nothing, according to Sawbones. Don't do this. Um, but also, yeah, the other thing to note is can I mention what Mark says while he's examining him? Sure. He's like, Oh good, it didn't go it didn't it didn't penetrate the dura. Mm. Which is just like <laughs> <laughs> Which isn't that like the protective sheath the membrane, around yeah. Yeah. yeah, the membrane around your brain. So that's why there's subdural hematoma yeah. and all that. But yeah, so <laughs> dude and you have a lot of capillaries up in your forehead, so this dude is uh-huh. just bleeding. Yeah, he's he's not like gonna bleed to death, but like it's, that, it's 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 a little gory. He's got a red mask. Yeah. Yeah, he looks like he's in a horror movie. Like he looks like somebody running from the monster in a horror movie, like he's just covered in streaks of blood down his face. 
Yeah, but the the dude that was actually doing the procedure said, "Oh yeah, I had it done in 1968 in myself." And he points to a little scar. He points to a little scar on his forehead, and he's like, "And it was like God lifting a weight from my shoulders." I think we call that brain damage, dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and the woman uh, breaks a laptop because they were about to post about it on the internet. Like, you survived. We did it. Let's post about it. It's like she had the right idea. Yeah, she she's the only one in this entire scene who is, is of sound mind. Uh, this and is. I love I love how Mark's like, and someone as intelligent as yourself will want gauze and you know dressing to take care of this and clean it right, and like try really tries because the guy doesn't want to go in and you know go to the hospital. So Mark's like trying to be like, well, I know you're smart and clearly <laughs> you're of an advanced mind if you're going to do something like this and so, you know educated on alternative treatments so let's maybe we go get that taken care of this is banana sandwich fucking crazy like this Mm -hmm. whole this might be the weirdest one-off patient we've seen on the show to date like this is because this goes nowhere this we don't see any more of this we see no follow-up to this there and there's really not even any lasting um effects for mark like mark doesn't bring this up later like hey i saw this crazy shit on my ride-alongs point nope doesn't come he doesn't up. he doesn't think to try trepanation for his tumor <laughs> jesus christ uh dear yeah. god lauren so yeah we're talking about through lines there's there's just no there's no purpose to this and like looking at the imdb on this like none of the actors involved here are particularly notable and so it's just like what were we doing here like what was the I, it's fun. I like it. I'm here for I it. I just, uh, yeah. It, somebody had to have. Some, one of the, those two writers that wrote this episode had to have just thought this was the coolest thing. But they probably read something about trepanation as they were researching for this episode and decided to throw it in there. But uh, we go from there back to the ER. Doug and Jeannie are working on Sun in one of the trauma rooms when our uh, anesthesiologist, Mr. Carrie Weaver, uh, comes down and. Thank you. I could not, like. <laughs> He's just always Mr. Carrie Weaver to me. I can never remember yeah. his character's name, but he's he's Mr. Laura Innes. Uh, but the uh, anesthesiologist comes down and scolds Doug for doing something he's not specialized to do with admitting anesthesia. And I like how this guy is like kind of always riding the line with Doug, where like he's always sort of like half in, half out on what Doug is doing. Like sometimes he's really kind of he thinks what Doug's doing is really cool and he kind of wants to be a part of it, and then other times he's like, mm, no, I don't think you should be doing that. Like. It's, I think it's Dr. Babcock. I think you're right. Yeah, that because I right. think because I know Jeannie has a, a mini arc in the later in later on with an anesthesiologist that's like killing patients or something. Yeah, like that. and it's, I'm pretty sure it's is him. it Lizzie or Jeannie? Or no, did I say Jeannie? Yeah. Oh, Corday. Corday. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it is him. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I think. And, like, everyone thinks that Corday is killing the patients. Yes. But it's actually yep. this fucking dude. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so then we go from there. We see Lucy talking with Carter, uh, asking if they can grab lunch later. And he starts uh, drilling her on a current patient with chlamydia. And uh, they step outside to talk about it. And she tells Carter to look at the chart before telling the patient because there was a contraindication to the uh, treatment he wanted to give. And then he proceeds to make an ass out of himself and blames Lucy for it. Because that's our boy. That's where he's at right now. Doesn't let her finish explaining. And so he tells the dude he has chlamydia when, in fact, it's another disorder or condition entirely. And he's like, why didn't you fucking tell me? You didn't fucking let me. 
to this point in season five, which there's still a lot of, we're, we're barely a third of the way through. Um, but like to this point in season five, who, who's worse season five Carter or season four Mark? Like Mark obviously had the, the like casual racism bend to him, but I would argue that, that Carter is like, he's toeing that line. Like he's not race. There's no racism element to it, but he is every bit as unpleasant to be around. Season four, Mark, because he was an asshole to everyone. Yeah, Carter's only an asshole, Lucy. But he's such an asshole though. It's like putting a. That's it's, true. It's like putting a magnifying glass on an ant. Like yeah, but she's Mark helpless. A, yeah, but Mark pulls a fucking gun on some. Black That's kids. also true. That was also in season three. So I want to point but out still, that's I'm, not season counting, four, Mark. But you're right. I'm counting season three and four, Mark together. I'm counting head up his ass, Mark as one. Yeah, I'm counting it. after he gets the shit kicked out of him. Yeah, trauma, Mark. Mark. Trauma, Mark. <laughs> But yeah, I, I would have to agree with Lizzie. I definitely think, you know, as far as our blameless male characters that we love to blame, <laughs> season four Mark is worse because not only does he, you know, have a racism, but also he um he's just really shitty to all of his patients, too. Yeah, that is true. It did bleed and, over. And, and Carter's, at least, from what we can see, still being a relatively competent doctor, except when Lucy's involved and he fucks up on teaching her, so she makes mistakes, and then he doesn't know how to help her, and so he just implodes. But when it's when we've seen him actually with patients one on one, the like two times it's happened so far, he's competent. Yeah, that's true. And he's you know getting his life together. He's good with Carrie. He's trying to figure it out. At least he realizes that there's something not quite meshing there, but he doesn't realize he's the problem yet. Yeah, fair enough. So so I think Mark. Uh, but then Antspot comes out of the elevator with a giant pile of papers in his arms, and uh, Doug and the anesthesiologist are both arguing on both sides. And it's just, it's lovely chaos. Antspot, look at what, you could have had a perfectly good carry to <laughs> take care of all of this stuff for you, but... Don't know what you got till it's gone. Yep. Um, Carrie needs the trauma patient coming in to be a good one, good client for the sternal saw, and she gets all hyped up. And oh my god, oh my god, it's a gunshot wound! Oh my god, oh my god! And turns out the wound came from a BB gun. And the dude's like, "What the hell? Get me out of here!" <laughs> I love how she has everybody prepped and ready. Like, you need to take time on this. You need to do this. You need this. Oh fuck, it's a BB gun. Mm. Then Lynette walks in on Carol trying to do a blood draw on herself and offers to do the draw for Carol and run the results through the clinic so it's more private and like so they're gonna do a hormone level check for Carol and everything and Carol's like yeah I really want to be discreet about this it's really none of your business please stop asking me further questions. Awkward but yep. also fair. Also fair. Um, Anspa chases Mark down because his interview with Dr. Lee has been pushed back, but he says her CV is amazing and he's very excited to interview her. What about our background check, huh? <laughs> mm. <laughs> How's that looking? Mm. Uh, you know, honestly, though, actually, because Jake sort of like was which i know we told him we would stop subtweeting him and i promise this is the last one um oh no <laughs> but we still have 10 seasons I, of this show to go I, will... i'm i'm at least trying to cut it down a little <laughs> yeah bit. and we, this we, is not really ten, it's not really a subtweet it's not really a subtweet it's just he happened to be the person who brought this up most recently a lot of people bring it up and people bring up that this storyline isn't super believable because why would this hospital uh, not do a background check and not do the other thing. But they're sort of setting up a little bit of storyline justification for that with how overwhelmed Anspaugh is. 
Like, mm. yes, I know it's a committee, and yes, I know there's presumably somebody else up there who knows how to look at it and conduct a background check besides him. But they are sort of giving a little bit of storyline justification here that Anspaugh is so overwhelmed and so out of his depth with this that maybe some detail like that would slip through the cracks. This is why we have an HR department, folks. Uh, Mark asks Carter for his student evaluation, and Carter snaps at him like, oh, I thought I had till the end of the day. Like, oh my god, how do I do this? I, oh, I'm so nervous. Blah, 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 blah. And Mark's just like, whoa, just evaluator work. You can get into my box later today. Shut up. <laughs> uh, and Jerry's still going on about that damn porn star <laughs> name game. Tay Sprinkles McGee. Sure, why not? Um, everyone keeps coming up with different credentials for what the names mean mm. and, Mora- and morales calls yosh a cookie fairy and jerry fat and then refers to yosh as a as a this his words not mine a bone smoker while talking to mark gotta love the late 90s and why i should i'll say why couldn't this guy get killed off <laughs> Oh, yeah. So some other some other EMTs we will lose along the way. Yeah, like, and this all happens because Yosh brought in cookies for the nurses that, you know, they're all chilling in the lounge eating, and Jerry, Yosh, and I think Connie are in there having a snack, and the um, the paramedics come in and just take some. Yeah, Morales takes like two or three or something yeah. like that. And they're like, hey, those are, and Yosh is like, hey, those are for the nurses, but, you, you know, you can have some. And Morales is like, oh, what are you, the cookie fairy? To which Jerry, being the sweet boy that he is, stands up and is like, I'm sorry, what? I love that so much. It's so good. And it just, like, my heart exploded a right? little. Right? My heart grew I was, like, three sizes. It's like uh, the interview face. Right? Like. Just, mm. just all over. So I just, I, I love, because we get such good, it's such good, it's not even sweet baby Jerry energy. It's just. Good friends. It's. Jer- it's Jerry's the heart of the ER energy. Yeah. Like, he's got everybody's back. Just, mm, it's so good. And it's it was so nice to see, even in, like, what what are we, in 98? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Even in 98 that they're having this, be like, Yosh is openly gay. Yeah. It's, it's, ta- it's been mentioned twice now, I think. Oh, it has? Yeah. How did I never catch that? Because cause there was that one, uh, the one guy who calls him, like, a... A Chinese queer, and he goes Japanese. Yeah, that's right. The gangbanger. So from he doesn't a few episodes ago. Doesn't correct him on the gay thing. No. And also here, like everybody just seems to know Yosh is gay, and no one and cares. The ER staff is fine. Like it's not a plot point, but it comes I've up. I learned when something new have... today. I never caught on to that. Yeah. So that's it's it's heavily alluded to, if not outright outrightly spelled out that Yosh is gay. Yeah, huh. I think that I, and... I think that is canon. I'm going to look that up. You think that's fair? Oh, yeah. I totally think that's fair. And I think you'll be hard-pressed to find any confirmation of that on the internet. But Yeah. But so, so yeah, that's why that's why um, Morales starts picking on Jerry. And then he goes out in the hall and he's like, oh, man, Mark, blah, blah, blah. Thinking he's with a bro that he can say this to because Mark's in the fraternity of paramedics now. And it's like, Mark, why aren't you standing up for your staff? Yeah. I know you want to be part of this club, but what the fuck, Mark? Why is your, like, I'm not shitting on the desk clerk, but why is your desk clerk showing more gumption and, like, support for your workers than you are? Yeah. 
and you don't realize too until like until Jerry stands up. I mean, it's it's easy to forget sometimes until Jerry stands just how fucking big he is. Like he dwarfs Morales, like makes him look like a child. And it's just like, dude, you would like if Jerry was mad, like if Jerry had a like a, an evil bone in his body, like he would destroy Morales. Yeah. I never knew that Yosh was gay. <laughs> Lizzie, that... <laughs> Lizzie, so we, we, we've we've blown Lizzie's mind. And it... how did you never? I never picked we, up on that. We mentioned this when the dude called him a queer two epi- two or three episodes ago. Where we was t- I? I it might have been a bad pain night. It you might have been, been halfway. You might have been floating in the ceiling at that point, <laughs> trying to yeah. not die. One of three openly gay characters on the show. Yep. Uh, main characters. I mean, all of them. Uh, sort of semi-main characters. Yeah, I mean, they're... no, like literally, like I'm on a wiki for LGBT characters and TV shows, mm-hmm. and the ER one is just Carrie Weaver. Nope. Well, I mean, what about Carrie? Uh, Yosh, Carrie, uh, Raul, Raul, Carrie Yosh, and yeah, Maggie, Yosh, oh, okay. Raul, um, Carrie, Carrie, the uh, Legaspi, uh, Legaspi, Legaspi, yeah. Sandy. Like, Sandy, there's, there's at least six. I, they mentioned okay. They mentioned those two. They mentioned those people under Carrie's main. Yeah, but main, matter. but yeah, main story or main cast characters. I mean, it's pretty so, yes. much those three: Yosh, Carrie, yes. and uh, Maggie. Yosh is gay. Cool, good for him. <laughs> I thought that was part yet of another, why you. Yet another I, reason why I want to get the, that guy on for an interview. I know. I thought that was part of why you loved him. Was no, he I was just a queer loved character. him. I just loved him because he's adorable. He is adorable. He's, there you go. Well, we learn something new on STT every day. That's Yosh Takata. Wave hi to Yosh. Hi, Yosh. Doesn't matter how many times you've watched this show, you can always learn something new. But we go from there. We see Benton and Corday talking. Uh, Lizzie still has not been able to shower uh, and insists that she does not want special treatment from Benton after he offers to let her go take said shower uh, while he covers her uh, patients. Uh, and then Anspa asks if she wants to scrub in on a procedure, and uh, she is understandably reluctant because of how busy she is and honestly more importantly how sleep deprived she is like i feel like there should be a uh a mandatory turnaround time for surgeons the same way there is for like airline pilots and stuff where it's like if you have not been to sleep in because i think she says like she hasn't had so much as a nap in over 24 hours something like that yeah and it's, it's like that seems like uh that should be like an, a a prerequisite disqualifying thing of like okay you are not allowed to operate that like the choice is not yours anymore and i hope that that's just an antiquated thing that 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 now and you know medical listeners maybe can chime in and let me know that that's a very outdated thing and there is totally those safeguards in place but it just please please put us at ease yeah it just seems to me like this is like a glaring hole in the the setup here of just like this should not be her decision but uh, for now, we go back down to Jeannie and Doug talking about Sky's mom uh, leaning on her too much. Uh, they try to separate Sky, get her away from her so they can talk to mom one on one. So Sky and Jeannie go off to put some toys away and trying to get to know more about what is going on because Sky is only six years old, and that is the oldest six year old I have ever seen in my life. I just, sorry, I want to touch base one more thing on uh, Ann Spa asking her to do this. Uh, not only should it not be uh, Lizzie's choice. Ann's boss should know better than to even fucking ask her. Yeah. With how busy he knows she's been. But I don't know that he knows, though. I think he's completely into his own 
bullshit that like i don't know that he's really fully aware of what she's up against she tries to tell him like she's kind of like yeah i've been really busy and i'm really tired and then he's like well these don't come along every day sister you better get on the fucking train like so uh i don't know fair all right now let's go up to that ill-advised surgery uh where she's nearly falling asleep out at the table and then actually does fall asleep at the table who does corday does which is not the only time that this will happen over the course of the series. Oh, no. This will happen again uh, much later on down the road. Well, not much later on, yeah. but several years from now, this will also happen again. Uh, and Ansbach kicks her out to go take a nap. We all need a nap nap. Yep. Sometimes a juice box and a blanket. <laughs> Tommy my, Pickles had it, had it right. <laughs> it's my new cleric in D&D. My healing spells are juice boxes. And I'm a Jedi, so it's fine. And then Carter grabs Carrie for diagnostic help on a and he sees yosh using lucy's palm dock which i looked up is not a real computer brand or anything weird there's it's a couple like there's a couple like language yeah that's what i thought about that's what i was thinking when i first saw it too i was like it looks like one of those little pocket translator things yeah there's a couple there's a couple thing or it looks i mean she's dictating her her chart notes into it but she's also pulled up diagnostic shit on it before. Yeah, so, yeah. Who knows? So there was no branding agreement, I don't think, because there wasn't even a Wikipedia about it. Mm. So even if it was a dead company. Uh, but he bar- And Carter borrows it for reference and overhears what she recorded earlier. Awkward. Not great. Not great. Um, then Mark and the team of EMTs are at the firehouse eating dinner and it turns out they got Mark his own EMT jacket, and they say, "Okay, you got to you got to do a little ritual with us. We brought we brought a backboard in. Nope. You just you just got to lay on it on the pool table. Come here, buddy. It'll be fine. Nope. And they all tackle him and start strapping him to the backboard along with attaching a C spine collar. And it's a real great way to trigger that PTSD for Mark." Yikes. He does a really, though I will say I am very proud of Mark for asserting himself here. Yeah. And getting out of the situation. Yeah, this is upsetting. Even for me, who has never been like. That had, was. Had anything remotely like happen to uh, Mark happen. Yeah. And hopefully it never will. Yep. But. Yeah. They did a really good job shooting this scene though. Yeah, they did. They really got across. That, that POV camera, which is usually, Ugh. which is usually not helpful was really helpful in this scene of like getting across how upset and claustrophobic and just like overstimulated he had to have felt in that moment they really got across that uh very very well uh we go back we see uh lynette uh giving a possible ectopic pregnancy patient to carol to examine she's had two live births and two abortions and she is crying from the pain that she is currently in and uh, shout out to the most random uh, powerhouse cameo of the episode here with uh, yep. actress Octavia Spencer, uh, who appeared in movies like The Hidden Figures, The Help, The Shape of Water. Uh, she has 140 credits to her name and an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress uh, in The Help. So She is really good in The Help. She has an entire Wikipedia article dedicated to awards that she has received. So, like, we're talking about one of, like, the most powerhouse uh, random appearance. I mean, usually if if we get, like, a – I mean, I know she wasn't Octavia Spencer, the award winner at this time. She was very much uh, kind of a a 
quintessential oh hey it's that person kind of actor at this point she would she's somebody who would pop up in movies as a, a you know a minor role like this and it wasn't until you know a solid 10 almost 15 years later that she really blossomed into this like award-winning actress um but usually when we get somebody on the show who even after the fact becomes this like massive star it's usually like they're a patient and you can really tell like there's something there or like there's a there's a glimmer you know thing it's not usually kind of like a silly sort of like c plot patient like this it's very rare that we get somebody it, doing a storyline this minor who will go on to be such a major star down the road yeah like a new mcgregor mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh but for now let's get our first actual appearance we've heard her name several times but uh mark is gonna go walk into dr lee's interview sorry i'm late we were just about to start without you dr lee mark green Sorry if I held things up. I'll try not to take it personally. You've been very flexible with your time today, and we appreciate it. I'm happy to be here. Let's get right to it. Three years as associate chief. Excellence in clinical teaching award, two years in a row. How do you think you can improve our department? Well, right away, you could benefit from an eight-bed observation unit for 23-hour stays. Paid for how? We're a cash-poor county hospital. That's exactly why you need it. Tell us more. Well, I set up a unit like that in Atlanta, and it saved the hospital $2 million a year in unnecessary admissions. What kind of patients are we talking about? The scene randomly cut off there, yeah. so that's why the audio clip ends in a weird spot. But I, w- I want to point out, we had several people comment that we had you know, not talked about Dr. Lee yet or not made a big deal of her coming up. And part of that was because... As much as I enjoy talking about the huge story beats on this show, sometimes I like to pretend like we don't all know what's coming. Yeah. And I like to leave a little little taste of mystery and we, like we, allude to it. Yeah, but we like, say we've alluded to it a lot. But, but like I have fun pretending that we don't all know what's coming. Yeah. And to be perfectly honest, I mean, there's so many episodes and so many twists and turns throughout this show. I am not somebody, and I, I think I speak for both my co-hosts as well when I say this, that none of the three of us have this encyclopedic knowledge of this show that where we know where every single episode of every single season how it played we, we know the broad strokes we know you know yeah. we know where yeah. everything I've, is going in broad terms i've joked before i'm not qualified i bring moxie <laughs> i enjoy the show i love it i love my co-hosts i love all of you but i don't know where half the right. stuff is and so it is kind of nice when we go through and you know re-examine these things to know that yes these things are coming but not necessarily know when or how or how all the little wrinkles unfold to where yeah. we get this you know like you know, this, this is something obviously that I knew was coming. Didn't realize or didn't remember or didn't appreciate that it was only four appearances. And this is her, this is her first, this will be done. This will be done by, I think before the midway point of the season. Are you kidding? What? I mean, the Christmas episode. Yeah. Yeah. There's one iconic shot of her for the Christmas episode that I can think of. Maybe it's just because of that whole sequence. Right. And it is, it is (laughs) sort of like a, it is sort of like a, um, a a somewhat minor storyline that does have sort of larger implications outside of just her. So maybe that has something to do with it too. But like this, this amounts to only four appearances, one of which is this one, which is not that memorable. So I think it's also because. If you think about it, based off her presentation here mm-hmm. alone and how innocuous this starts, 
you wouldn't guess where it's going. No, you would It must have, upon first blush, it must have taken viewers completely out of left field and been such a just holy shit moment yeah. of fear. And now that I realize that the, the committee that's that's leading this search is essentially Anspa, who's very overwhelmed, Kaysen, who wouldn't know his ass from a hole in the ground, uh, <laughs> and Mark, who couldn't possibly be arsed to give a shit uh, and didn't want to be in the committee in the first place, I can totally understand why the whole background check thing fell through the cracks. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. there is no quality control on this uh, committee whatsoever. Like, this is uh, this is not great. So, Dr. Lee here, the much ballyhooed, much uh, mythologized Dr. Lee uh, arrives here, played by actress Mare Winningham, who appeared in stuff like the movie Turner and Hooch, Philomena, uh, and St. Elmo's Fire. Philomena. 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 Never yeah. watched it. Couldn't tell you. Uh, and St. Elmo's Fire, 98 credits to her name, first of four appearances, as I said. And as of a few years ago, uh, is the current girlfriend of one anthony edwards uh which oh. i thought was interesting yeah which they that's that's a tw- that's a real life yeah. twist another another american horror story alumni too oh well there you she's go she's been in four seasons so for my trash um so yeah the, I, i'm pr- i know he was for sure i'm not sure about her but i'm pretty sure that at this time they were both married to other people mm-hmm. and um have since you know in the years since gotten divorced both and um so i think it's like as of 2017 ish um 2020 2020 really that long it says as of on her wikipedia because i'm creeping on her as of 2020 winningham is dating actor anthony edwards the two have known each other for 35 years there you go jesus christ so it'll be interesting to see as we watch through her four appearances here if we get any little like glimpses of you know sparks between the two not not suggesting that anything would have happened at this time but it'll just be interesting to see like how they play off of each other it sounds like they have a a lot of history between the two of them i'm so excited i can't believe it's only four episodes but i'm so excited um then we have carter gives lucy a blank evaluation to fill out because of her audio notes and how hostile she finds the work environment what a dick did this kind of echo um, to you guys how Benton handled Carter's evaluation early on? A little bit. And I, I still think that at this point in time in the timeline, I still think that they were trying to recreate that magic. I still think that, that the ultimate plan was that, you know, Lucy was going to take over the Carter role and Carter was very much going to take over the Benton role of like kind of the surly, uh, you know, never never giving her an ounce of approval like never letting her in like that whole thing i i really think they were trying to recapture that magic here yeah and he doesn't have benton's kind of suave understated charisma to pull it off Mm -hmm. he just comes off as a dick yeah like benton it was always like yeah, he was being a dick, but he was so cool about it that you were like, man, I still kind of want him to like me. Like, <laughs> and, and they don't have that same relationship either. No, they don't. And and it just does. I don't think it works as well, particularly when the um, the under like the underprivileged half of the relationship is a woman. It, it, it like it really highlights that power imbalance and it really makes it uncomfortable to watch and it really doesn't like like it was fun there was moments of of levity and it was funny to watch carter sometimes lap at you know benton's heels and really try to gain that approval and you just never really feel that with lucy it feels just like he's torturing her just for the sake of it yeah and it's just completely yeah i don't like it and lizzie i'm sorry i can't remember did we did we already touch on the fact that mayor winningham was also in gray's anatomy 
Okay, I was like, did I fucking... Who was she? She was uh, 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 Lexi's mom. Oh, yeah. Okay. The one who dies from the hiccups. Yeah. It's it's a... (laughs) This is not helping me with the show. This is not helping me. Okay, it starts with the hiccups and it just, it spirals, it spirals from there. She hiccuped a grenade and then her stomach exploded. And it's... All right, Jake. You're... It's coming. I I'm going to make it. you watch 22 episodes I of that hate show. It so much. I'm going to complain. The whole, I'm going to be insufferable. I'm excited. Uh, so, yeah, I, I just had to note that, that we have another Grey's connection. Okay. I thought I recognized her yep, from the show. I could not place it, though. I got you. Okay. We go on to the little girl, Sky, playing with a doll with Jeannie. And as they're playing, she lets the doll lick the spoon. And Jeannie's like, oh. You, do you let your brother lick the spoon sometimes? And the little girl goes, yeah, he, he likes to, he likes to, you know, try my food. And Jeannie goes, what sorts of things does, does your brother get to try? And the little girl mentions honey. Nope. You do not give children under two honey. Bad news bears, folks. Botulism, right? Yep. Yeah. Botulism, Botulism. scores that with, with their underdeveloped immune systems that can be fatal. Yeah, not great. Had a little bit but, of that had a little bit of like uh, house flavors to it, just yeah. a little bit. The way she sussed that out, just oh, and she's like, "Let's go, let's go find your mom." So yeah, it's they get to taking care of. Uh, son is gonna be fine. Jeannie still feels really bad for Sky. Then Doctor Lee says she's gonna go walk around to get the lay of the land after the ep- after the interview, and Anspa tells Mark that he wants to take Doctor Lee out to dinner for a more informal meeting and kind of you know suss her out a little bit more because he is absolutely in love with this woman and just wants more information and really thinks she's going to be a great deal. Well, we'll see how that plays out for him. Uh, and then we go over to Carolyn, Carol and Lynette examining the pregnant woman. Fifteen weeks, but she wasn't even sure she was pregnant. Uh, but Lauren. Uh, but six weeks is a fine cutoff, Texas. Fuck you. <laughs> There it is. Sorry. There it is. Sorry, not sorry. Fuck. Totally fine. Let's go. Needed to be said. Uh, We go from there. We see Lizzie uh, after her shower talking herself up in the mirror, saying that it's only a few more hours. She can get through this. Uh, Peter asks if she can watch his service while he goes and meets with uh, Dr. Kotlovitz. Apparently, he's had a change of heart on that. Uh, and we then find out that her patient from the night before, Mr. Ramos, has returned this time with a wicked wound infection. And, uh, yeah, we will circle back to Mr. Ramos here in just a little bit. I did. I really I like the bit of her talking to herself in the mirror. I thought that was really yeah. well done. It's so cute. It is very her just, cute. Just her, like, just hyping herself up and then going and then just giving herself a <laughs> thumbs up in the mirror. Was there a gif of that anywhere? I'm sure there. No, I've, oh. I think that's one of the ones I've seen. I used it as a around. clip for the episode, so. Excellent. Well, Perfect. Um, so then we go from there back to Doug and Jeannie talking about Sky, and uh, Jeannie just once again advocating for Sky here. Says mom is draining the childhood out of her, and very sweet stuff from Jeannie here. Just wants her to be okay. And I was surprised at how dismissive Doug was of it. Like usually Doug is very like really advocates yeah, for kids and yeah where's the white knight dog on this one he's very like surprisingly just kind of hand wavy about it and he's like yeah you know it happens sometimes whatever you're right i didn't even notice that but this is something that season one doug would have like called cps and mm-hmm. but and, what the look, fuck? and i know like I'm, I'm trying to be better about it but it, it just it bears repeating that like 
because this is about the time too where they go in to talk to the mom and, and talk to sky at the same time and they're like you know hey this is why this is why your brother can't have honey and all this other stuff and it, it just popped into my head again that i was like if this mother was black he would have run into that room screaming no, about don't you don't you know not to give honey to a ba-da-da-da, you stupid bitch like it's just like uh, like dude like and i don't know i just don't know if i'm reading too much into that or no. like no she's well, not a woman of color so and, she gets a pass in the dog book and i'll say so. this even even if you are reading into it that's what we're here for Daniel. yeah i guess uh, but Corday's having a very normal one. She trips over a trash can <laughs> when she goes to check on Mr. Ramos and his airway's tight and she's going to administer some magnesium. Because hmm. it helps relax the smooth muscle, I believe she says. Yeah. Uh, Mark asks Carter about his evaluation and because it's filled out and it's not great. And he says, if things were this bad, you should have come to me. Ugh. Uh, so we're going to come back and revisit that. You done fucked up, Carter. You done fucked up. Uh, Mark asks if he can crash with Doug instead while his place is fumigated because relationship with EMTs is now over. <laughs> relationship now with Doug. Now Doug is my best friend. Doug as, new best, Doug as best friend again begins. Um, we haven't seen a lot of Mark and Doug lately, have we? No, we haven't. No, but we're hanging out with the paramedics. We're now about to begin the, the lovely little period. And I say that without a hint of sarcasm because I really do genuinely love it. But we're about to hit that very uh, pleasant little period where uh, Mark as best friend with Doug gets handed off to Mark as best friend with Carol, where they pair them up. Yes. They pair them up as a trio for like half a season. So, so like we're like, OK, D- Mark's not going to be by himself after Clooney leaves. And then Doug and or uh, Mark and Carol kind of become besties for a little bit. And. and- and they've always been somewhat close anyway. They have, but like they so, really lean into it here, and I really like it. Good. And then uh, we go back to Mr. Ramos, and he passes out when uh, when Lizzie gives him the wrong dose of magnesium because she gives him the 50% solution, not the 5% solution. Oh, uh, shit. You gave, her a le- you gave this man a lethal dose. Not great. Oopsies. Uh, but you know what's better than that? is uh, Benton and Dr. Kalowitz talking at Doc's. Let's listen to that. The cochlear implant is nothing short of a miracle, and the technology keeps improving. Yeah, well, I'm impressed by what I've read. Oh, well, no, don't read. Don't read. Talk to people who have it. Talk to parents of the children. As a matter of fact, I can get you in touch with a number of people who faced exactly what you're facing now. Great. I mean, yeah. I've already heard a near fool from the opponents, so... Uh, the fanatics. Uh, yeah, well, you know, they've got their agenda. Uh, the level of passion with which these people will attack you, it's, uh, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. Somebody actually used the word genocidal, said I was trying to eradicate deaf culture. <laughs> wow. Deafness is not some alternative lifestyle, and the people who claim it is, I mean, they're, they're beyond reasoning. Yeah, well, you know, look, the thing I'm trying to figure out is, I mean, why make an argument against hearing and speaking, you know? Mm. Honestly, you want know what I think? I think it comes down to laziness. I think a deaf person can function in the hearing world, but some of these people, they just don't want to do all the exercises and do all the drills that it takes. Uh, look, I mean, it, 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 she is of hard work. I... Yeah, but they have the energy to attack me and other doctors, so I say the hell with them. You do not, do not stand in my way when I'm trying to help a person to function. Hmm. Well, why don't you tell me how you really feel? <laughs> anyway, 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 you bring in your, your son and uh, we'll see if he's a candidate. So, uh, <clears throat> you work closely with Dr. Corday? Actually, she's my intern. Oh, right. she, she told me about the fallout she had with Rocket Romano. Oh, yeah. Do, do you know if she's seeing anybody? I'm just wondering. Actually, uh, I'm pretty sure she's involved with somebody. Oh, well, I'm not surprised. Oh, well. 
Thanks. All right, you bet. Anytime. Give me a call. Uh, check, please. You okay, Daniel? Did this dude just say deaf people are lazy? Like, is that is yep. is that was that the the thesis of his argument? There was that. Yep. Kind of. Deaf people are lazy. Like. Yep. Wh- what? <laughs> like. Uh, it's the. Ex- ex- he's out of line, but. <laughs> it's, it's the extreme version of the um, of kind of the stigma not stigma about laziness but stigma about it being a curable condition as opposed to a culture yeah he's kind of going to the extremes of what benton was already leaning towards anyway right yeah it's definitely what benton wants to hear like yeah although even at certain points i do feel like benton is sort of like like even at the end when he's like "Mm, tell me how you really feel like i feel like even for benton he went a little far but yeah wow this is uh that is those are certainly words that you said sir those are that was a thought. Like, the core of it, I understand. Like, the core of it is good. Like, he wants to help people make their way in the world. Function better in his eyes. Yeah. And, frankly... In a hearing world. Yeah, in a hearing world. He wants to help people be to be, more people to be able to hear who otherwise can't. An admirable goal. But... Maybe not with that attitude. <laughs> yeah, his attitude sucks real hard. And I mean, and like it's like you said at the beginning, it's like, okay, I kind of see your point and everything like that. But then it, 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 you know, it's like, it's like listening to somebody or watching a video of somebody that you've never heard talk before speaking about you know very complicated issues and everything. And you might be like, yeah, okay, they're making some interesting points. And then they're like, and then the Jews run everything and they do the thing. And they just like turn it way up to 11 and you're like, Whoa, buddy. (laughs) Okay. I am checking out. Not, uh, no, thank you. Would not be subscribing to the newsletter. And it's just, he just takes it from this really weird place of like, yeah, I would, cochlear implants are great. And I would love everybody to be able to hear and everything. And then, you know, another thing, deaf people are lazy. And it's just like, it's like, he goes off on this weird soapbox that I'm just not, not he okay with like a little weird and by the way is corday seeing anyone <laughs> yeah that was a weird little thing at the end too like by the way i'm also thirsty for uh for Cor- which i mean i get it but like she's a beautiful woman i get yes. it but and he's got a better chance than romano ever did so it's very true i found an entire fan fiction about i'm sure you did her taking an entire day to do her hair yeah okay did yeah there's another wholesome yeah one for the there's Patreon. there's one yeah there's one for who's fixer those you you did it. Mm-hmm. Did I, though? <laughs> More episodes of that coming soon. Yes. yes. Uh, but we go from there. We see Lizzie still trying to stabilize Mr. Ramos. Uh, he has successfully, they, they've successfully stabilized him. Uh, he's bounced back. They've Paige Benton, and uh, Lizzie owns up to her mistake. But yeah, uh, I think it's to, like, the charge nurse. Yeah, I think it's to uh, nurse. Or no, yeah, 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 you're right. There is. There's a separate nurse in there that we've never seen before. Um, and I don't think we'll ever see again, but yeah, fun, fun day for Corday feel for her. And then, uh, Carol's blood results are back and her fertility hormones look just fine. Progesterone's all good. Estrogen's all good. Everything's good in the neighborhood. She's just stressed. Uh, she's just stressed because, uh, it's been a few months of trying with no luck. Oh, darn. You have to have more sex with George Clooney. <laughs> and, and Lynette's like, girl, you need to relax and just get laid more. It's only been a few months. And Carol's kind of like, it's none of your business. Can we please not talk about this? We are not that close of friends yet. Um, but then we find out that Maria, the pregnant girl from earlier, is leaving. And Carol asks her where she's going because she um, 
She pulled out her own IV. She really just wanted to know the gender of the baby, if it was a boy or a girl. And Carol attacks her because she thinks she's put two and two together and that this that Maria is going to abort the baby if it's a girl because she's had two boys and two abortions. And Carol screams at her in the middle of the hallway and in front of everybody and they have to pull her off Maria and Maria heads out. I forget what the I forget what she says about about girls like oh girls, girls are, are nothing, too much yeah, girls trouble. are nothing but trouble or something like that. Yeah. How do we feel about this as a what the fuck? Yeah, Octavia Spencer, what the fuck? Well, obviously, I mean, obviously the but my I guess my question is just like how do we feel about doing this at all? Like why no. why did we need to pick at the abortion scab again? They already I, did the yeah. abortion episode much better and much more I get- nuanced. I get that it's because Carol's freaking out about not being pregnant, yeah. and then she sees this girl throwing her pregnancy away, for lack of a better term. I don't agree with that term. Mm. I don't agree with what the episode is saying, right. but I get that in the in the throes of having a fertility issue, how you can feel like someone who's healthily pregnant, aborting just because they don't like the gender, can feel like a you know, not personal attack, but it can, it can weigh really heavily on you. Yeah. And, I get that. And this, to me, this, and I, I mean, I, granted, I'm probably speaking out of a place of ignorance here, but this is one of those things where it's like, I feel like it's a little bit of, um, I just don't know that I buy that this happens. I, I don't know that I buy I, that this is a, a I, real thing that, can I tell you what it feels like? Yeah. Welfare queen. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yes. It feels like them, and I'm not saying them ER, but just like like society. Like it feels like society creating a problem that doesn't really exist. And right. media like this helps perpetuate it. Where, yeah. you know, this is, I just don't, has there ever been somebody in the history of the world who got an abortion because they weren't satisfied with the sex of the baby? Probably. Like that has probably happened at some point in well, human history. And especially in cultures where it matters more and there's limits on how many children right. you can have and things like that. But in in the US at In least, the US and especially at this time and everything like I just I I really struggle to to believe in all honesty that this was a problem that was prevalent enough that it warranted mainstream attention yeah, like it's this. Just, it's just it's it's the welfare queen myth, except it's with abusing the healthcare system because you want to make an educated choice about aborting your baby. And I'm going to do it again. I did it earlier in the episode to Clooney, and I'm going to do it again here. Do it, do it, do it, do it. I think it really sucks that they made this character a black lady. Yep. Like, I really do. I think it really yep. fucking sucks. Like, I think if you were going to do this storyline, which, again, I would like to stress that I hope that you would just not do it at all. But if you were going to do it, Maybe don't make it a minority. When when we said representation matters, this isn't what we meant. Yeah, this is a bad. This is just bad. Like just, just don't do this. I also I also understand from the time you're looking at it would potentially be someone, and I'm just gonna say it, and this is gonna sound shitty, but it would be someone low income in an urban setting, and most people would automatically go, well, of course that person's black. Right. Going but to the just, county but, hospital. But the, the welfare queen. Now that you mention it though, the welfare queen thing makes such an apt comparison because it's like it's just how that fucking stupid uh, right wing capitalist fucking bullshit thought think tank works is that like they can't make up their mind are black people having too many babies or are they aborting too many babies like which one is it like it just like they just can you tell that this this is is this upset me like this was a very stupid 
because it doesn't really go anywhere and it doesn't okay, really matter. I'm I'm so glad that I wasn't the only one uncomfortable with this because I thought I was just being crazy Mm-mm. and overreacting. No. So thank you. This has been Woke Hour with Lauren and <laughs> Daniel while Lizzie checks her Twitter because she is good. Because I I can't offer anything more than what you two are saying. You two are, so are make you two are making much more salient points than I would. <laughs> it's just I knew you were gonna say salient. I don't know how. I just knew. It's because you love me. I sure do. <sighs> Uh, should we get back to the episode? Because yes, this please. is already a bit of yes. a honker. Um, after that <sighs> diatribe that Daniel and I just went on, um, Anspa is chewing out Lizzie and Benton re the Ramos incident, and Anspa says, you are not to leave your intern unsupervised. He goes on to say, I know it's hard for all of us to adjust to seeing Lizzie as an intern because we know she's a capable surgeon, but you have opened up this hospital to a slew of liability issues. And then after that, they walk out of the meeting and Benton tells Lizzie that she just needs to get a good night's sleep and she'll be fine. Yikes. So, um, we're not done yet. We have let, nope. we have a few more episodes to go, but I would say that this is pretty much kind of the symbolic, this is kind of, we're done with this. Like, the Ben Day has... has the, the happy days are certainly gone between these. The honeymoon is over between these two and it won't be too much longer before they're officially done. And this is definitely, I think where it really starts to set in where, yeah, this is, this is sad. Oh, let's continue with the sadness as we listen in on uh, Mark's meeting with Lucy and Carter in the lounge. Hmm. I didn't fill out this evaluation, Dr. Green. Who did? She did. Why did she? Because he told me to. I didn't tell you to give it to him. I told you to give it to me. No, you didn't. Okay, wait. Don't talk to each other. Talk to me. Mark, I just wanted to know how she thought she was doing before I made my final assessment. So I tried to put myself in his shoes and be very critical. He handed me this form and said, fill it out, and I assumed that meant turn it in. How could she assume that? makes no sense. See, that's a big part of his problem. He gives incomplete directions. Oh, he gives inc- I give incomplete directions? Name a time. Just one. Tell her to name a time when I medically gave her incomplete Defensive. directions. Okay. Talk to each other. Don't talk to me. Whatever this is, I can't fix it. Work it out, both of you. Does anybody realize that Mark aged five years in that sound clip? <laughs> like, God damn it, guys. I am so fucking sick of your shit. Just, your, your children. Fuck. Figure it out yourselves. <laughs> Oh, Mark, we are far we are far away from season four, Mark. I'm I'm here I'm here for it. Yeah, he's starting to remember to be a mentor again. Yeah, yeah. but I feel like at this point, assign Lucy to someone else. Clearly, this is a poor match. Right. Get her with another resident. Like... I think he just wants because it's Carter's really first med student. Yeah. I think he just. But really... it's not. Well, I think like his first like long term. But it's not. He, it is because of the casting of the show, but theoretically, yeah. Carter's been through this at least like three yeah. times already. Well, did he have a? You know, you know what I mean. Did he have his own med students before? He's had peers, like he had Gant, who was an equal. No, no, like, like Henry. Henry. Oh, yeah, that's Henry true. And, yeah, you're right. And those two people, like who were here yeah. for like five seconds. Ivan, yeah, and yeah. Chastity, and he never had Asian to, girl. And suddenly something. he's like never had to do evaluations for them. They were just here for a week and then gone, and he never had to deal with their rotations. Yeah, they, like why they apparated. So that's just one of those things where it's like, this isn't really the first time Carter's done this. It is because the show is conveniently forgetting. Right. Yeah, you're right. But, like, 
Because remember, uh, Henry had to do all of his like final stuff, like because he did fill out a he did yeah for Henry. gave it to him for Christmas. So yeah, so maybe it's his most difficult. But they I act. Know. I'm trying to give I him know. like yeah. a, like a sliver but, of the doubt. But the but, like, writing, really the be. writing is acting like he's never had a med. There is a lot before. of stuff in season four, though, particularly with Carter. Um, mm-hmm. because he's so tied in with Delamico and they want to pretend like Delamico never existed, that there is a lot of stuff in season four where they do just kind of hand wave with Carter, where they're just like, yeah, 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 that never happened. Like, it, I think functionally you are supposed to sort of think of Carter as season three, end of season three Carter, right into season five. Like, season four Carter is largely kind of a lost season for him because he spends so much time with a character that they would prefer to pretend never happened. And so that's... It's unfortunate, and it creates weird little plot inconsistencies like this, but I think that's what's happening. So, All right, that's all I got on that one. I'm just grumpy. I get it. But we go from there. We see Anspa chasing Carrie down for help with something, and she dodges him because she has a candidate for the Thoracotomy study. And Lauren? Whose films are those? I was so worried we weren't going to get one this episode. <laughs> uh, Anspa randomly decides to uh, tag along on this trauma with her, like because we're, we're so frequently you know exposed to Don Anspa, the... Uh, the trauma room surgeon uh carrie operates the saw expertly and they crack the chest in 42 seconds and boy howdy do they crack this chest this is one of the uh it's kudos to the props department for how props department and sound design for how well they execute this scene here where you're seeing the chest get cracked open like you're seeing them you know digging around rooting around inside that chest cavity the, f- the fucking foley work on the, the foley work. all the st- on this all the sternal saw scenes is just yeah <laughs> crunchy in the best way possible crunchy fully and yeah just you really get the sounds of bone being shredded by a machine it's pretty pretty gnarly but uh so we go out of there we see uh dr lee approaching mark at the vending machines uh, says that she feels like they didn't get to connect in the interview and if i didn't make my best case during the interview i'd like to try again right now i will say you gotta go you gotta give this to amanda lee She's got moxie and she's charismatic as hell. Like, I wish I could approach interviews like this. Yeah. Granted with less fraudulence, but still (laughs) the general confidence that she does this. Just, ah, so good. And let's go over to Carrie and Anspa chatting after the trauma. Call me when he's in recovery. Thank you. Dan, I, I have something to confess. No. For a while, I, I felt resentment when it became clear I wasn't your choice to run the emergency department full-time. Well, it's not that you weren't qualified. Oh, hold on. Now I am so grateful to be putting all of myself into medicine, and I want you to know there are no lingering hard feelings on my part. Well, I must say, I could sense the bad feelings, and I did wish there was something I could do about it, because I value your friendship. Well, how's the job search going? We interviewed a wonderful woman, Amanda Lee, out of Atlanta. I don't know her. Why don't you join us for dinner? I'd love to hear what you think of her. <laughs> Done. I'm trying, but I'm not all the way there yet. Go, Carrie, for knowing her boundaries. Yeah. yeah. Way to take the high road. Yeah. And I like I, I like the very teeny tiny little bit of uh, plot uh, breadcrumb there where she, he's like, yeah, we hired the, you know, whatever this wonderful woman out of Atlanta, Amanda Lee. And she and, yeah, and she's like, mm, never heard of her. If a fucking nerd like Carrie Weaver has never heard of your like she had heard of like, you know, 
slimy, yeah, slimy McGee out of fucking Bellevue or wherever the hell he came from. Lidvac. Yeah, she knew who he was. Like, if she's never heard of this lady, maybe that should be a red flag there, Donnie. I don't know. Because it could either be that or it could be her being passive aggressive. Like, never heard of her. It could, we could read it either way. And that's the brilliance of it. Uh, yeah, I just I, I like that they are just leaving little tiny breadcrumbs there. It's there if you look for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roxanne asks Carter if it's weird living with his boss as they head into his apartment. And he's like, yeah, it's fine, whatever. And then they're smooching and he's talking about how bad his day was. And he says, if you make me forget this day, I will owe you the biggest favor. And she's trying to get sexy with him. And he just keeps talking about Lucy foreshadowing yeah i'm telling you right now uh, barring any future developments uh as we head it because i feel like we're we're probably roughly this is we, we're actually we have to be getting close to the end of roxanne um Roxanne's because she has nine yeah. appearances and i don't think she's been in every single episode thus far this season but it's been pretty close where i would i would guess yeah. without looking at it i would guess we're probably five or six deep on on roxanne um I think, for my money, she might be the least significant character who gets the most uh, mm-hmm. appearances. There have been think about this: Amanda Lee gets four appearances, and we all remember who she is and what she did. Roxanne gets nine, more than double, and I can't tell you the first fucking thing about her other than she's a pretty white blonde lady. There's no character development with her whatsoever. She is paper thin. I just mm, this she sucks, and not in a like. Cynthia Hooper is off-putting sort of way, but she just sucks because she's boring. Like, there's nothing interesting about her whatsoever. Deal. Agreed. Um, And then Mark is over at Doug and Carol's, and Carol is cooking dinner for them while Mark grabs her a beer, and she's clearly upset, and she just kind of looks at the beer and sips it hesitantly, like, well, I'm not pregnant. Might as well drink. (laughs) But just like, just like, you can tell she's trying to put on a brave face for Mark while he's there. All right, let's go over to our second to last scene of the episode in our last audio. Uh, Benton's picking up Reese at Jackie's. Want some more? No, no, no. It was good, though. Hey, 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 who's making all that noise? What's up, man? Huh? Come on, let's get ready to go. Come on. Say goodbye to Aunt Jackie. Jackie, who gave him this phone? Oh, it's a toy, Peter. It's a cute shape, and he likes it. Yeah, I probably saw you on it all day. Hey, hey. I'm sorry. You know, we went to a surgeon today. I'm just trying to do what's best for Reese, and I feel like I'm in the middle of a battlefield, you know? The more information I get, the less I know what to do. I don't really have anybody to talk it over with, you know? Well, what about Carla? Yeah, she, she's looking for me to take the lead on this thing. I can't be going back and forth with it over with her, you know? Your girlfriend's a doctor. Why can't you talk with Elizabeth about it? Hey. Hey. Peter? Peter. The way Jackie reacts to that is really weird. I, but also the way he chooses to deal with it is weird with his weird avoidance strategy where it's like, well, no longer looking her in the eyes isn't working anymore. I now have to pretend like I'm distracted by my deaf son. Like it's. Yeah. Also the, the who gave him this phone, right? He's very worked up about Reese possibly playing with a toy phone. I don't understand that at all. Like it's so much about the way that he's choosing to cope with, the revo- everything. everything is is so weird. I mean, I'm I still maintain that I think Benton has done some of the strongest work individually this season. I still think mm-hmm. he's my front runner for MVP. Um, mm-hmm. But it is still very bizarre how he handles certain things and the way he's choosing to cope with this. And then our last scene of the episode is we go over to Lizzie sitting in her bathtub 
with a bubble bath and candles all around and just looking absolutely zombie-eyed and despondent. I just want to give her a hug. Mm -hmm. Bleak. That is how this episode ends. I want to give her a candy bar and a back rub. And a juice box. And a juice box. This reminds me of, I think it's a season one episode. It must be a season one episode where Susan has a really bad day and then everybody else goes over to Doc Magoo's at the end and she's supposed to join them but then chooses not to and she's and she sitting sits in her car sitting in her car watching them and we, I think we remarked at the time like the only thing missing from the scene is the Charlie Brown music that's kind of the same thing that's happening yeah. here is like the only thing that's missing from this scene is Charlie Brown's sad music it's uh it's a dark I mean there have been darker but it's still a pretty dark way to end an episode yeah yeah but and a good episode though yeah I really I enjoyed it yeah no, it, there's. I mean, it's probably like a seven out of ten, just because of the randomness. Yeah, and just because you just took it down a notch, because I thought that Mandalay was a much more significant <laughs> character in the overall plot of the show. But I mean, she kind of is. She uh, just she makes the I'm most out of four. limited appearances. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna give it an eight. Yeah. I think it was this was a good one, and just some of the just some of the storyline choices. Yeah. It's yeah. spe- specifically Octavia Spencer. Yeah. That's just, yeah. for me. For me, it flowed well enough that I'm gonna have to give it an eight because this was one I enjoyed watching for yeah. sure. I think, and, and as per usual, none of the the three of us can ever be on the same page. I'll I'll just be the middleman this time and say seven and a half seems fair because, um, it does some really good things. There's some uh, some things in here that I love. Carrie, I love so much about Carrie. Oh yes, episode. Carrie, is, Carrie and Corday, I think, are one and one a for my MVPs of this episode. Of just, I was gonna say, Carrie, this might be my favorite Carrie episode mm-hmm. yet. Yeah, just with how ex- just the the scene in the morning, how excited she gets with the sternal song. Yeah, it's just Carrie. Carrie really gets to stretch her, stretch her legs in this episode, and and Corday really gets to shine for a chance for a change. Uh, and really gets to and and do it without in without that thing of like she has to be good at everything all the time. Like we get to see her be fallible, um, but still do it in a really um, exciting and intriguing way. And what I'll say for the the stuff that doesn't work, there is a lot, and there's a lot in this episode that doesn't work. Um, but it's never boring. Like this mm-hmm. is never an episode where you find yourself going like. There's some episodes where I find myself going, what are we doing, guys? And it's because they're just spinning their wheels. Like, they're mm-hmm. just boring, and it's just like we're not getting to the point. Here, they're getting to the point. I'm just not sure what the point is. Like, right. I'm not sure we what have... the point is they're trying to make, but they're getting to matter. a point. There's very consistent beats. It's at least following a certain rhythm and a yeah. certain overall theme. Yeah, it's it's a bizarre episode, and which with an – you know, hazed and confused kind of describes how I feel after watching it because I think I think we've had weirder for season five. So oh shit, yeah, yeah. Which, by the way, can we talk about that? Seven episodes deep into season five, what a weird fucking like, just bizarre. Like, not can even. I, can I say something though? That you don't like? <laughs> no, still better than season four. No, and that's the thing, and that, that no, that is that that is an important distinction because I think it's season four, kind of around the same point because I think this would have been when we were getting fathers and sons in mm-hmm. season four, which is that was where season yeah. four started to really take off. Um, your big thing with season four up to that point was that you found it listless, directionless, kind of boring. Me and, every Thursday night before we record, yes. <laughs> With season five, you can't really say that it's boring. You can't really say that it's directionless, but it does sort of seem like they're throwing a lot of shit at the wall and seeing what'll stick. We, 
It's because we also know what they're ramping up to, and they have a lot of things they have to hit by midseason. I guess that's true, yeah. But it's still, I don't know. It, I'm enjoying it, but I'm also finding myself scratching my head a lot of times where I'm just like, I don't remember ever being, ever going through a period of the show that I felt was this weird. Mm-hmm. And this is a weird period of the show we've been in for the last three, four weeks. Like I said, still better than four. No, yeah, Because at least now we get Trepanation. <laughs> Oh, boy. And who doesn't love a good hole in the head? Lauren, uh, can, what did the listeners have to say about it? Uh, I'm going to start off with the lovely novel Michelle K. wrote us. Thank you, Michelle, in advance, because I'm going to mess this whole thing up. Uh, so your breath. You're good. <laughs> so many things. I really felt bad for Mark. PTSD is a real thing, and he's been working through his, and I'm sure that 100% brought back his entire attack back. I have never disliked Maggie until this episode. Hey, we've all been there. Ugh, just slap her, Elizabeth. You're 100% justified, and I've never understood why doctors and nurses are expected to work while sleep-deprived. That's how mistakes happen. Carrie's eclectic music collection. Grace Jones's Ring of Fire was my choice for roller derby intro music. But honey, we all know you want that chief position, and it's great that you're learning how to use that sternal saw, followed by lots of tear emojis, sobbing emojis to be specific. I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's my emoji read. I'm sorry, everybody. Daniel, you can edit that one out if you want. Otherwise, listeners, I apologize. As for Lucy and Carter, I have to say that they both need to grow up at this point, though Carter is still being a little biatch. He (laughs) refuses to teach her, gets mad that she doesn't instantly pick up on things like he did, and blames her for making him look like a shit teacher. Psst, it's because you are right now, Carter. Good on Mark for calling them both out on their shared immaturity. ETA, I re-reviewed the, their scenes, and Lucy is justified in her reactions to Carter, but what she did with her evaluation was immature. I stand by that. There's more, but I'll leave it there. Overall, a solid episode. Everything progressed character growth and storylines, even the weird ones. The internet. That's what started this whole thing. I hate it. I hate it. Oh, honey, if only you knew it was coming. Um, followed by lots of cry-laugh emojis. I don't know how to do those. But... Michelle, those are all excellent points, and I think we would agree with you, and we'll just have you just do our end-of-episode summaries <laughs> at this point, because you nailed it. Um, Franner W. goes on to say, Elizabeth's pep talk in the mirror with the thumbs up and grimace at the end is brilliant. Getting to the point where I want to climb inside the TV, slap John Carter MD square in the chops now. The casual homophobia disguised as banter in the lounge made me pretty cross too, so whilst I'm in the TV dishing out slaps, I should give one to Morales and one to Green for remaining so bloody passive about the whole thing. If we were going to call anyone a wanker this week, Lauren, it's Morales. Alright, Morales, you wanker. I have permission. Um, At Baker Basic on Twitter says, Oh god, I feel so bad for Elizabeth here. She's been on for so long and worked... and works to exhaustion, it's not healthy, and at the end of the day, a mistake is made because she isn't able to function at all and could be avoided if she was allowed to go home and sleep. Um, <laughs> is the username the bitchiest of lasagnas? Uh, no, but I wanted I wanted to highlight the Twitter name because I love it, and it's my favorite. Okay. So... User the bitchiest of lasagnas. We are not. Sh- I do not. I don't have your hand handle in front of me. But God, that username is great. Um, Elizabeth's tantrum over Maggie giving her a new patient was so iconic. And at Mercut Bianca says, "Is this the app where Lizzie is on call for ridiculous hours? I remember being so outraged at this practice. How can we expect our medical practitioners to be able to function? It's a real concern and one that still happens today. I cannot wait for all of our nurse listeners to chime in." 
Uh, please, guys, on the comments for this show, when you're when you're listening on Thursday, just let us know. We know you'll reach out. Just let us know. <laughs> um, and at SMB for the win, I feel Lizzie's exhaustion in this episode on a spiritual level. I also felt so horrible that at the end of her day, she just had zero support to go home to. She really just looks like a kicked puppy. Also, thanks, guys. Again, excellent response week. Y'all killed it. Sorry, I can't read. But y'all did great. It's okay. I can't talk good, so. What are you talking about? We talk great. We podcast once a week. We're fine. People do pay us. Speaking of which, that's but we're going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank y'all very much for listening. The show is brought to you by, by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast. For only a dollar a month, you can, you can get access to our show notes each week. And for only $5 a month, you can get a free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry. Two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews. And over 20 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes, a bonus show called The Lounge, where we talk about whatever's going on for us in our lives and the world in that moment, movie reviews, where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member, and flash forwards, where we do a commentary track for future ER episodes. We would also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at SetTheToneER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Podcast, And we are at Podcast on Instagram. Also, be sure to check out the official Saying the Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards. And Daniel, where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u, that is y-o-u dot e-l. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Folks can find me pimping pictures of our merch on my personal Twitter at lowbob92345. Seriously, guys, who wants a picture with my cartoon face on it? And you can also find me on Twitter. I am at Random Gamer. That's J-A-M-3-R. As well as on the Popular Courts YouTube channel doing a Let's Play of It Takes Two with Jake Terrell. Uh, new, episodes of that, new episodes of that wackiness are out every Wednesday. And you can find those videos and much, much more at YouTube.com slash The Popular Court. Thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time and have a great week. tell when you're at the end of your rope because you just give up on that script what are you doing i'm doing our theme song time for me to do the thing where i lay in the dark on the couch for five minutes can't wait